Welcome to Zichud Avsiman Memebe Ram Goldhar, and today we're in Sechus Psachim, Daf Lamed Aleph. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the mission at the bottom of Daf Lamed Amabe stated, Nachu Shehuvas Yisrael Chametzo Achra Pesach Mutabahana. And Nachu lent the Jew money before Pesach with the Jew's Chametz as a security. If the Jew defaulted on the loan, the Jew's Chametz is Mutter Bahana. Well, she explains that since the Chametz is deposited by the Nachri, and he doesn't need to take any further action in order to gain possession of it, we consider that he takes possession of the Chametz retroactively from the time it was deposited with him. So related to this, the Gemara introduces the Malchogas regarding a creditor who holds a mortgage on a borrower's property. Abai said, If the borrower defaults on the debt, the Balchov collects the property retroactively. Whereas Rava said, He collects the property only from here on. The Gemara clarifies that they argue in a case where the Balchov either sold or was makdish the property before the loan came due. Abai holds that once the borrower defaulted, it emerges retroactively with Mafreya, that the property was in the lender's possession all along. Rabba holds that since, had the borrower had money, he could have evicted the lender, it emerges only now, when he defaults on the loan, that the lender acquires it. Point number two, the Gemara brings up rice regarding a Jew who lent to Nachri money before Pesach with the Nachri's chametz as a security. The Tanakhama says that after Pesach, if the Nachri defaults on the loan, the chametz is mutabahanah. It was said in the name of Rabbi Meir that one transgresses if he benefits from the Chametz. The Gemara determines the Melchok is regarding a rule taught by Rabbi Yitzhak who says, From where is it derived that a creditor acquires the security that was deposited by him? For it stated regarding a creditor who returns the night clothes of a poor Jew as security for a loan at night, and for you it will be considered tzedakah. Now, if the lender doesn't acquire the security, on what basis is it considered tzedakah? From here then, it's derived that a creditor acquires a security. The Tanakama holds this rule applies only when one Jew takes a security from another Jew, but that's when it's considered tzedakah. But Amir applies a Kavachomer and holds that if a Jew acquires a security from a Jew, then all the more so he acquires the security from a Nachri. And point number three, the next mission states, Chametz upon which a ruin has collapsed is considered removed from the owner's possession and he does not transgress Bal Yeraya. Rabbi Shimon Gabriel says, One may regard this chametz as removed only if it's so deeply buried that a dog is unable to search after it and unearth it. The Gemara clarifies that it must be buried at least. The Gemara clarifies that it must be buried to at least three tefachim so the dog cannot sniff it, whereas safeguarding money only requires a tefach covering so that it's concealed from the eyes of a thief. So once again, the three points are number one: the mission at the bottom of the base stated, Anachri lent a Jew money before Pesach with the Jews' chametz as a security. If the Jew defaulted on the loan, the Jews' chametz is mutabahana. Rashi explains that since the chametz is deposited by the Nachri and he doesn't need to take any further action in order to gain possession of it, we consider that he takes possession of the chametz retroactively from the time it was deposited with him. Now, related to this, Gamor introduces the Machogs regarding a creditor who holds a mortgage on a borrower's property. Abai said, Balchov Mafreu Gove. If the borrower defaults on the debt, the Balchov collects the property retroactively. Whereas Rava said, He collects the property only from here on. The Gemara clarifies that they argue in a case where the Balchov either sold or was makdish the property before the loan came due. Abai holds that once the borrower defaulted, it emerges retroactively that the property was in the lender's possession all along. Rava holds that since had the borrower had money, he could have evicted the lender, it emerges only now when he defaults on the loan, that the lender acquires it. Point number two, the Gemara brings up rice regarding a Jew who lent Nachri money before Pesach with the Nachri's chametz as a security. 
The Tanakhama says that after Pesach, if the Nachri defaults on the loan, the Chometz is Mutter Bahana. It was said in the name of Rebbe Mir that one transgresses if he benefits from the Chometz. And the Gemara determines that the Machok is regarding a rule taught by Rabbi Yitzchak, who said, From where does it derive that a creditor acquires the security that was deposited by him? For it said regarding a creditor who returns the night clothes of a poor Jew as a security for a loan at night, and for you it will be considered tzedakah. Now, if the lender doesn't acquire the security, on what basis is it considered tzedakah? Here, then, it's derived that a creditor acquires the security. The Tanakhama holds this rule applies only when one Jew takes a security from another Jew, for that's when it's considered tzedakah. Rav Mir applies the Kabbalah and holds that if a Jew acquires a security from a Jew, then all the more so he acquires the security from a Nachri. And point number three, the next Mishnah states, Chamet Shanafalav Mepoas, Chametz, upon which Arunas collapsed, is considered removed from the owner's possession, and he doesn't transgress the Baal Yerah. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, One may regard this Chametz as removed only if it is so deeply buried that a dog is unable to search after it and unearth it. The Gemara clarifies that it must be buried to at least three Tfachim so the dog can't sniff it, whereas safeguarding money only requires a Tafak covering so that it's concealed from the eyes of a thief. All right, so now we go to our sim for Dafalam at Alf, and our standard simon is the law, but we use a judge because he's associated to the law. So we use a judge. So here goes. The judge's courtroom was packed with defaulting debtors who claimed their creditors used their security deposits retroactively, including one man in his pajamas who came with his dog that could sniff chametz buried up to three fucking deep. Once again, in slow motion. The judge's courtroom. Judge, that must be one Dafalam at Alf, the law. The judge's courtroom was packed with defaulting debtors who claimed their creditors used their security deposits retroactively. Which reminds the Gemara introduced the Malchokas regarding a creditor who holds a mortgage on a borrower's property. Abai said, If the borrower defaults on the debt, the Balchov collects the property retroactively. Whereas Rava said, He collects the property only from here on. The Gemara clarifies that they argue in a case where the Balchov either sold or was maktish the property before the loan came due. So the judge's courtroom was packed with defaulting debtors who claim their creditors use their security deposits retroactively, including one man in his pajamas. Which reminds us of the rule taught by Rabbi Yitzhak, who said that we derive that a creditor acquires the security that was deposited by him from what's stated in the puzzle regarding a creditor who returns the night clothes of a poor Jew as security for a loan at night. And for you, it will be considered tzedakah. Now if, the, now, if the lender does not acquire the security, on what basis is it considered tzedakah? From here, then, it's right that a creditor acquires the security. This is the basis of Malchus being in the Tanakhim Rimer, whether a Jew acquires the security of a Nachri as well. So the judge's courtroom was packed with defaulting debtors who claimed their creditors used their security deposits retroactively, including one man in his pajamas who came with his dog that could sniff chametz buried up to three fucking deep. Which reminds us that ruin fell on chametz when Shimon Gamaliel holds that if it's buried three fucking deep so that a dog can search after it and find it, then it's considered removed from the owner's possession and he's not over on Bal Yira'eh. So once again, the judge's courtroom was packed with defaulting debtors who claimed their creditors used their security deposits retroactively, including one man in his pajamas who came with his dog that could sniff chametz buried up to three tefachim deep. All right, now it's time for four blah blah chazara. Dav chavzayin. So the simmer dav chavzayin is a kazoo. The agitated father who had enough of the buzzing sound tried to burn his son's kazoo. Kazoo? That must be one dav chavzayin. The agitated father who had enough of the buzzing sound tried to burn his son's kazoo on flickering coals, which reminds us of one cooked bread over the coals of forbidden substances, such as clay carom straw, 
all agreed that the bread is permitted to be eaten. There are two different opinions given, one in the name of Shmuel and one in the name of Rabbi Yochan. One said the brides don't only refer to smoldering coals, but loaves baked over flickering coals have been, according to Rabbi, who holds Shvach Eitzim Bepas, the improvement of the wood is contained in the bread. If the coals are still flickering, then the fuel is not considered completely burnt up and it's still forbidden. The other one said even loaves baked over flickering coals are permitted, according to everyone. According to this opinion, Rebbe would forbid the bread when the flame is opposite it during the baking, since the heat is still emanating from intact wood. So the agitated father who had enough of the buzzing sound tried to burn his son's kazoo on flickering coals from hectish wood consecrated to purchase shlami. Which reminds us, Rav Chiz was asked what the luck is according to the Rabban who permit bread that was baked with kaya kerm or atze orla in a case of an oven that one fired up with hectish wood and then one baked bread in it. He ruled that the bread baked in it is forbidden. Rapa explained that the hectish wood does not become chulun through an act of me'ila because this was a case where the wood was consecrated for the purchase of shlamim, which is invested with the equivalent kedusha of a shlamim. And Rav Chizu was asked what the halacha was according to the view of Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that shlamim are not subject to me'ila and do not become chulun. So the agitated father who had enough of the buzzing sound tried to burn his son's kazoo on flickering coals from hectish wood consecrated to purchase shlamim. Because he followed the opinion of those that hold kazoos only stop working when they're burned in a fire. Which reminds us that Rabbi Yehuda attempted to prove his view that chametz must be burned in fire by bringing a kavachomer from Noser. If Noser, which is not subject to the prohibitions of Baal Yira or Baal Yamatzah, yet requires elimination through burning, then chametz, which is subject to those prohibitions, kavachomer should require elimination through burning. The Chachamim countered called Din Shatadan Chilasu Lahachmir. The Sofa Lahakel Enodin. Any kavachomer that is initially advanced to apply stringency, but whose end result is a leniency, is not valid. According to this Kavachomer, if one cannot find wood to burn the chametz, there'd be a leniency. They just have to do the mitzvah of Tashbisu. Therefore, it's not a correct Kavachomer. Dav Chavches, the Simmer Dav Chavches is a strong man. The strong man, strong man, that must be more Dav Chavches. The strong man showing off his strength by crumbling chametz in one hand while grinding a vodazor in the other, which reminds us that the chametz disagreed with Rabbi regarding burning chametz and stated, He crumbles the chametz and scatters it to the wind or casts it into the sea. And the Gemara inquired if that means the chametz must be crumbled whether it's thrown into the wind or cast into the sea, or means they must crumble it to scatter it to the wind, but he may cast it into the sea intact. An apparel inquiry was made regarding a mission that discusses destroying Avodah using similar language. Rabba holds that the Avodah being thrown to the Yamamelch doesn't require grinding, but chametz thrown into the rivers does. Rav Yosef says the opposite. The Avodah which doesn't dissolve, requires grinding. But chametz that does dissolve does not require crumbling. So the strong man showing off his strength by crumbling chametz in one hand while grinding Avodah in the other was embarrassed when he was told that the chametz belonged to a nachri, which reminds us that the next Mishnah states, Chametz belonging to a nachri after Pesach has passed is But chametz that belonged to a Jew over Pesach is as it says, Lavan shall not be seen to. Rashi cites the Gemara's conclusion that the Pasuk cite as the reason for the ruling, meaning that the Jew's chametz is forbidden because he's penalized after having transgressed the prohibition against having it in his possession over Pesach. So the strong man showing off his strength by crumbling chametz in one hand while grinding a vodazor in the other was embarrassed when he was told that the chametz belonged to a nachri and that he better relearn the three shitas regarding the iser chametz. Which reminds us that it's a three-way machos between Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Shimon, and Rabbi Yosei regarding when a chametz is aser and what one is liable for. Dav Chavtes, so the similar Dav Chavtes, is a kot. The chametz enthusiast who kept nachri chametz under his kot. Kot? That must be more Dav Chavtes. The chametz enthusiast who kept nachri chametz under his cot, which reminds us, Rabbi Yaakov said that the Mishnah Dav Chavches of an reflected the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, 
and he derives a prohibition of leaven regarding eating from the prohibition of leaven regarding seeing, meaning that just as one is restricted from seeing his chametz, but he may see the chametz of Nachim and Hektish, so too only your leaven you may not eat, but one may eat that of Nachim and Hektish. In fact, continues Rav Achim Yaakov, the Mishnah should have stated that Nachim's chametz is permitted to be eaten during Pesach, but since it stated that Jews' chametz is Asr Bahana after Pesach, it contrasted it with the Nachim's chametz that is Mutter Bahana after Pesach. The Gemara later proves that Rav Achim Yaakov retracted his understanding of Rav Yehuda's position. So the chametz enthusiast who kept Nachim chametz under his cot and hektish chametz in the closet, which reminds the Gemara brought a brisa that said, "Ochel chametz shall hektish, but moed ma'al, one who eats chametz of hektish during Pesach has committed me'ilah." And there are those that say that he has not committed me'ilah. And one of the five interpretations of the brisa is brought by Rav Achim Rava, who explained in the name of Rav Yosef the Malchokis regarding whether something can lead to a benefit of money is treated as though it's money now. The one who says the one who eats the chametz has committed me'ilah holds that is treated as money now, since the chametz of hektish can be eaten after Pesach and therefore has value, and the Yeshomri holds dabra gormul mamun lavka mamun dami, that something that can lead to a benefit of money is not treated as though it's money now. Therefore, the person did not commit an act of me'ilah on something of value. So the chametz enthusiast who kept nechri chametz under his cot and hektish chametz in the closet could even discern a mashu of chametz in a mixture that did not impart taste. Which reminds us, the Gemara presents the opinions of Rav Shmuel and Rav Yochanan regarding the halachas of mixtures containing chametz. Daf Lamed. So the Simmer Daf Lamed is a Malamed, is a Rebbe, is a teacher. So here goes. The Rebbe. Rebbe. That must be more on Daf Lamed for Malamed. The Rebbe had his class volunteer to smash anyone's earthenware pots before Pesach for free. Which reminds us that it's Malchokas Rav and Shmuel whether earthenware pots used for chametz before Pesach need to be broken. Rav says they do, as he rules like Rabbi Yehuda, the chametz after Pesach is Asr Bahana, and that such leftover chametz will forbid a mixture of similar kind, and although it will be a case of no centum of gum, it will impart a rancid flavor. Rav holds that it's still Asr. And Shmuel says they do not need to be broken, as he rules like Rabbi Shimru holds that mixtures after Pesach are permitted after Pesach. So the Rebbe had his class volunteer to smash anyone's earthenware pots before Pesach for free, as people wait in line to have their ovens fired up, which reminds us we may not need dough with milk, and if one did so, the entire bread made from that dough is forbidden, since it might lead to sin, meaning that one may come to eat it with meat. Similarly, we may not grease an oven with the fatty tail of a sheep, and if one did so, the entire bread in the oven is forbidden until one fires up the oven to burn away the fat. This implies that if the oven is fired up, the bread baked in it subsequently is permitted because the meat flavors in the oven are purged through the firing. So the Rebbe had his class volunteer to smash anyone's earthenware pots before Pesach for free, as people wait in line to have their ovens fired up and to do Haggala's Kalim. Which reminds us that the Gemara discusses the cushioning of Kalim, such as knives, wooden spoons, earthenware vessels, and that Kalim used with hummus while it's cold can be used for matzah on Pesach. All right, now it's time to conclude with a pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which of the one that the source of the Balkhov takes possession of the security in his possession is from the Pasuk Luchati Yadstaka, that's on Duff? Mamadov. Good number two. Which of the learned that the fact that one must give up his life rather than commit murder is based on the Sabora of whose blood is redder, that's on Duff? Chafei. Good. Number three. Which of the one Rabbi Shimon Gamliel holds that if Chametz is buried so deep that a dog can't find it, then the owner is not over on Bal Yere'eh, that's on Duff? Mamadov. Good. Number four. Which stuff do we have a three-way Malchokas regarding a mixture containing chametz? That's on Duff. Chavtes. Good. Number five. Which stuff do we have Malchokas will be in the Rabban whether a new oven fired up with a forbidden substance needs to be destroyed or not? That's on Duff. 
Chavav. Good. Number six. Which stuff do we discuss? Kashrin came for Pesach, such as knives and wooden spoons. That's on Duff. Lamed. Good. Number seven. Which stuff do we discuss? Kashrin came for Pesach, such as knives and wooden spoons. That's on Duff. Lamed. Good. Number seven. Which stuff do we discuss? Kashrin came for Pesach, such as knives and wooden spoons. That's on Duff. Lamed. Good. Number seven. Which stuff do we discuss? Kashrin came for Pesach, such as knives and wooden spoons. That's on Duff. Lamed. Good. Number seven. Which stuff do we discuss? Kashrin came for Pesach, such as knives and wooden spoons. That's on Duff. Lamed. Good. Number seven. Which stuff do we discuss? Kashrin came for Pesach, such as knives and wooden spoons. That's on Duff. Lamed. Good. Number seven. Which if it's fired up, the bread baked in it subsequently is permitted because the meat flavors in the oven are purged out of it. That's on Duff. Lamed. Good. Number nine. Which stuff do we regarding crumbling chametz versus crumbling motazora when being thrown into the water? That's on Duff. Chavchez. Good. And number ten. Which stuff do we is rub and shmuel whether pots used for chametz before Pesach need to be broken? That's on Duff. Lamed. Excellent. All right, that concludes our pop quiz. This is Rabbi Avram Goldman Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.